Welcome to the McGuire Iron Podcast. My name is Brian Cooper. I am the Director of Marketing at McGuire Iron and your host for this podcast. On this episode, we will discuss COVID-19 and the impact it is having on water utilities and the water industry with the President of the American Water Works Association, Jim Williams. Jim is an accomplished water industry professional with over 30 years of executive level experience. He has been an active member of AWWA for over 30 years. He was elected to serve as the AWWA president for the 2019-2020 term. Jim received his BS in business management and administration from Indiana University. We are also joined by the director of sales for McGuire Iron, Jamie Mays, who has also been a longtime member of AWWA. Jim and Jamie, thank you for joining me on the McGuire Iron podcast. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Thank you. Jim, let's start with, for those of who don't know, give us the background on the American Water Works Association, what the organization does, and who you serve. AWWA is the largest scientific and educational water association in the world. We were founded 139 years ago in 1881, and today we have over 51,000 members throughout the world. Interestingly, our members supply roughly 80% of the nation's drinking water and treat almost half of the nation's wastewater. We are focused on what we call a total water solutions approach. And what that means is we include drinking water, wastewater, stormwater, and reuse uh, in the concept of all waters that we serve. Our members include uh, not only public water and wastewater systems, but also consulting engineers, uh, technology providers, and those are the people that provide products and services to the industry. Uh, We also include uh, academics, uh, researchers, and regulators as part of our uh, association's membership. We truly cover the full spectrum uh, of interests in the water space. COVID-19 is something out there right now that is a hot topic for everybody in the world, and protecting public health is AWWA's first core principle. You talked about what you guys do and who you serve. How has COVID-19 impacted AWWA? Well, clearly it's impacted the entire water industry in a, in a very big way. Uh, the way it has impacted AWWA is that we have a whole uh, new paradigm for how we need to do business uh, going forward, certainly in the short term and likely in the long term as well. The uh, the biggest uh, water-related, the most significant water-related uh, conference um, in the world is our annual conference and exhibition, we call it ACE, and that was slated uh, for June in Orlando. And after a very careful consideration and most principally the uh, consideration of protecting public health, we have canceled uh, that conference. It's only the second time in our 139-year history that that's happened. The last time was uh, 1945 uh, in consideration of World War II. So we looked at it hard and did not see a plausible scenario where we could with confidence move forward with ACE. So that clearly was a, a very significant impact to AWWA. And we're in the process right now of working hard to develop uh, virtual methods to provide the uh, education and training uh, that people 
always get at ACE, uh, and we're going to come up with alternate methods. Uh, clearly, um, we have our, our staff, both in Denver and Washington, D.C., they're uh, working to social distance, um, you know, a lot of working from home. Uh, we're learning how to do that and be efficient. Um, we're using the Teams platform, just like the rest of the world, along with Zoom and others, and uh, learning how to do business um, uh, through those, those methods. So um, what we know for sure is that job one is to mitigate the virus. Um, our total focus is on doing everything possible to protect public health and assist in mitigating the virus. And so a lot of things have happened in the industry. For example, um, utilities are postponing water shutoffs, or they're also um, turning water back on from delinquent customers to make sure that everybody is in water. Because as we know, uh, one of the primary CDC recommendations is that hand washing is extremely important in this environment. Uh, we're also, um, you know, being sensitive to affordability in that um, late payments uh, are uh, being excused or postponed uh, to help the general public to stay in water. So, uh, yes, um, the, the pandemic has had a very significant impact on AWA and the uh, industry as a whole. Do you feel that there may be changes in some of the standards because of this? The first time the country has gone through this, will we see additional testing potentially, or is there anything we should be looking for down the road? You know, AWWA is very much in the business of um, developing standards. We also do manuals of practice and we do policy statements. And I'm certain that in all three of those areas, uh, we're going to see changes. We're going to see uh, upgrades that will assist utilities should coronavirus or any other uh, pandemic type event uh, rear its ugly head uh, once again in the future, because there's always lessons to be learned from uh, this type of a situation. What type of things are you learning as you move through this process, Jim? Well, um, we're learning that utilities need to um, be able to staff in a very lean fashion. We need to know that um, our operators on the front line um, can work safely uh, while performing their jobs. Um, a lot of utilities are employing shift change uh, strategies where um, that, you know, social distancing is, is paramount in the process. Um, there's a lot of cleaning of workstations and special precautions and PPP, of course, or PPE, of course, um, that's necessary. Some utilities have gone so far as to actually have um, their operators locked down on site. You know, for example, there'll be a shift of five operators uh, that work um, during the day for 12 hours, and then another shift of five come on uh, at night, and then um, all of them are staying on site. Sleeping accommodations are made available. Food is delivered to the water plant. Uh, in a lockdown condition to guarantee the viability of the utility and uh, the health of, of everyone concerned. So there's a lot of innovative thinking taking place right, right now to uh, help ensure that we keep the water flowing. Say, as you have uh, these standards and recommendations to maintain the water systems, 
uh, because of the lost revenue that some of these cities will be seeing during this, how do you think it'll affect the conditions of their assets? Uh, that is a very good question uh, that is being talked about a lot because um, clearly uh, in the protection of public health, keeping the water flowing, uh, there are going to be financial impacts. Uh, we know that um, uh, providing water to uh, individuals that do not have the means at this point to pay their bills is going to hurt. We know that non-essential water businesses are going to have um, reduced uh, consumption and therefore reduced revenue. Now, there'll also be uh, a little bit of increased revenue because of residential use, because people are staying at home. A report was commissioned uh, just recently where uh, this issue was studied in detail. And what we found was that um, we estimate about $14 billion in lost revenue is, is going to be um, the approximate number. And in addition to that, there'll be roughly $33 billion in total economic impact. So, so the numbers are big. And so uh, a big part of what we're doing now is um, communicating this message in Washington, D.C., we have an excellent staff uh, in D.C., uh, very uh, knowledgeable uh, in the water industry and also in uh, uh, good communication with our legislators. And so they're going to be taking this information to Capitol Hill. There's been a number of stimulus packages that have come forth so far, uh, and all of them have done really important good work, but none of them have uh, provided any relief in the water space. Now, there's going to be some upcoming stimulus packages where we um, anticipate um, our, our governmental leaders will recognize the fact that the water industry is being significantly impacted and that, um, you know, assistance is going to be required if we're going to be able to stay viable and sustainable and um, keep the water flowing uh, in a safe fashion where it needs to be. We have seen some utilities postpone certain uh, capital expenditures. Um, so I'll call them, um, you know, mission critical uh, expenditures are moving forward because uh, priority one is to uh, make sure the water is safe and plentiful, and that won't stop. But there are certain projects that are not necessarily mission critical, where some of those projects are being postponed. So there is going to be uh, some impact on the industry. Uh, we are, are very hopeful that um, our elected officials in Washington respond to this uh, in a way that is uh, understanding and respectful of the importance of uh, the water and wastewater industry to uh, the health of the nation. You mentioned communication being important probably now more than ever. Two questions here. How is your communication with the CDC, EPA, and regulatory agencies. But then on the other hand, what does the communication look like between you and these water utilities? Yes, uh, we are in constant contact um, with uh, EPA and the regulators. Um, we were um, very pleased when uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, the EPA uh, issued a letter. They sent a letter to every governor um, suggesting that water utility uh, personnel be considered uh, essential 
to um, uh, to you know the work that we're trying to do. So uh, that happened, and not just the utilities themselves, but also considered essential were key supply chain components, the materials, uh, the chemicals, the things that are required to uh, keep a utility going, essential services like um, uh, well and pump service work, um, for example, is considered essential. So EPA has been a very um, uh, understanding and appreciative and uh, have responded well to what we're, what we're talking about, as has the, the regulatory community. Uh, the CEC, uh, obviously, um, one of their primary recommendations is um, routine hand washing, and uh, they understand the importance of the water industry uh, relative to the role that we play uh, there. Now, as far as communication with our utilities, um, one of the things that AWWA is really good at is putting together conferences and symposia and all types of face-to-face gathering. Uh, both at the association level and at the section level. So um, one of our biggest concerns right now is to make sure that we can keep the communication flowing. And we're doing it uh, via a a very robust website that is uh, continually updated with new information. We're doing it through a series of webinars where folks can uh, connect there and uh, keep the information, keep the communication uh, flowing in that regard also. For our, our members, uh, we're conducting a series of, of what we're calling town hall meetings, which are uh, telephone uh, webinars where we're keeping our, our members informed and uh, in the loop as far as what AWWA is doing. And, and really, uh, a lot of that has to do with getting the feedback from our members as far as what they think we should be doing. And so we're getting a lot of really good feedback that, that is helping us to establish a strategy for AWWA uh, in these turbulent times. What are the most common questions that you are getting from your members right now? Our members are very interested to know that uh, we will provide them with current and reliable uh, information to help stay on top of their game. So as we just talked about um uh, you, you know, we're responding to that with webinars and other uh, virtual means um, to stay in touch. The other thing that they want to know, uh, one of the big questions they want to know, that AWA is working on their behalf in Washington, D.C., to educate our legislators as to what it is, in fact, that uh, needs to be done to uh, make sure that they can do their jobs um, as we need them to. So. AWWA, as everyone knows, is an international organization. How has that affected you with dealing with all these different countries that are also dealing with a pandemic, mainly with, you know, water standards and all of those type of things that are different from country to country? It is uh, different. We have um, members uh, in uh, over uh, 100 uh, different countries in the world. And um, many do not have uh, the type of standards, um, the type of rigid enforcement uh, that we have here um, in North America. And a lot of these uh, uh, countries uh, look to AWWA to uh, help them with their uh, development of standards so that they can elevate uh, their drinking water quality 
um, throughout the globe. AWWA does have an office in India. We're, we're, uh, that's our one um, office outside of North America that uh, we are growing and, and building to help with the most acute uh, water needs uh, that are in India. And uh, the problems there are uh, as significant or worse as compared to um, what we're experiencing here relative to the effects of the pandemic. So um, we have an international com- uh, council within AWWA uh, that is uh, structured specifically to help AWWA be responsive in the international arena, and they are hard at work to develop strategies to do just that. Would you actually change the standards in the different countries because their water sources are slightly different or different water, I guess, raw water qualities may change or just their overall drinking water standards may be slightly different? Well, you hate to consider the changing of a standard that has been carefully thought through in such a way that we know it is uh, it offers the best chance to protect public health. However, we've got to be sensitive to the fact that um, the issues are far more uh, acute in a lot of these places, and some of those same standards are simply impossible to uh, put into force because of cultural reasons and primarily because of financial reasons. So there always has to be a measure of, yeah, there always has to be a measure of reason uh, injected uh, into uh, what is um, both practical and practicable for uh, implementation of standards um, in countries that are struggling. What does that look like in the United States, Jim? Have people been talking about standards and being able to continue to meet them the longer this pandemic goes? There has been some discussion about um, uh, the EPA and uh, local uh, primacy agencies uh, offering some uh, regulatory relief uh, in light of the fact that this is a, um, a global emergency. So uh, there is a conversation surrounding that. Um, AWWA, of course, uh, is very uh, cautious to um, point out that uh, protection of public health is paramount. And so uh, we would counsel uh, any type of regulatory relief to, you know, be such that um, it did not uh, jeopardize public health in any way, but uh, could, in help, could in fact uh, help with uh, relief to utilities that uh, need to um, use uh, methods to make sure that they are viable and sustainable. In, uh, in a letter you sent out uh, for canceling your annual conference of ACE, you thank the water professionals for their spirit of self-sacrifice. What do these people on the front line mean to you during this pandemic? I'll tell you, um, I have been so impressed by uh, the water community uh, during this time of crisis. Utilities have stepped up in a very rapid and uh, professional way to, um, to get the job done. They've, we've really showed our colors as far as the, the caliber and the quality of the individuals that are taking care of us through the provision of safe water. Uh, 
many of, of your listeners have probably heard me refer to the water industry as a vocation of distinction. And during this time, you know, we look at our first responders, we look at our, our, our medical community, we look at the transportation people, and we look at the people in the grocery stores. And these, are, these people are very heroic, and we need to acknowledge them for that. Equally, those that are in the water and the wastewater business right now, equally, they are as heroic as uh, those other professions because they also are on the front lines and they're putting themselves at risk in the interest of public health. And so um, what do these people mean to me? It's just been uh, a real pleasure to be a part of this association, be a part of this industry where everybody is working together to mitigate the virus and protect public health. I know COVID-19 is everybody's topic right now, but besides COVID-19, what does the future look like for AWWA and what are some of the areas that you're focused on? Uh, That is an interesting question because three months ago or even two months ago, uh, we had a, um, a game plan to attack overarching themes in our industry. And those problems haven't gone away uh, in this process. We still need to uh, consider the issue of, of PFAS, for example. We still need to manage the issue of lead and copper. Um, those problems haven't gone, gone away. We still need to address the uh, strategy of helping the public realize the value of water. And what that does is, you know, people need to understand that utilities are businesses and they need revenue and they uh, if they're going to be financially uh, viable to do the good work that they do and so we need to talk about what is it going to take to get full cost pricing of service so that we can start to address the infrastructure needs that we've been talking about for decades now at the same time we have to be sensitive to the affordability issue Uh, There's a lot of communities, uh, a lot of cities that are developing affordability programs that do both of those things, even though they are conflicting um, concepts. They are able to um, put a rate structure in place that can uh, accommodate the viability, the sustainability of their utility and address long-term infrastructure needs. Uh, but at the same time, uh, be sensitive to those um, in need relative to the affordability issue. Uh, There was a symposium conducted last year that discussed that issue in detail. There's a lot of best practice sharing going on uh, between um, utilities across North America and across the world. Uh, So good things are happening. So Uh, Yes, there are still a lot of issues that need to be addressed once we uh, stop being laser focused on the pandemic and then we get back to uh, business as usual. Do you see any long term lingering effects? I know you mentioned a bunch of other topics that AWWA is focused on, but with the pandemic and you talked about, you know, the rate structures and all of that. This, this is going to have a long-lasting impact on utilities, I think longer than a lot of people right now realize. Well, I think that's right. Um, you know, there's, there's some, some good things um, that will result uh, in terms of the long term. 
I mean, we're learning lessons now, even though uh, I'll say it again, the, the water industry has responded in um, a really magnanimous form and in, in, in the level of service that we've been able to provide in such a short notice. But uh, when the dust settles and we look back on it, there's things that we could have done better. Um, I mean, we're going to we're going to learn from this and then in the long term have a real appreciation for for what's what I'll refer to as an all hazards approach. And uh, the continuity plans will continue to be uh, refined and um, made such that they are even more effective next time around. So. Uh, yes, uh, there there are some some positive things that will happen in the long term uh, to ensure that we are uh, fully and adequately prepared for whatever may come our way. Talk about your membership and volunteers. How does how is that working in AWWA? Are you looking for more members, more volunteers? What, what's going on there? One of the really impressive strengths of AWWA is that. Yes, we have 150 some odd staff members um, in Denver and another uh, eight or 10 in Washington, D.C. But the real heavy lifting within this association is done by volunteers. There are thousands of volunteers that serve on committees and councils. And these are um, industry leaders that bring um, knowledge and capability to the decision-making process about uh, standards and manuals of practice and, and policy statements. And so, and, that, and that's at the association level. At the section level, likewise, there are thousands of volunteers uh, doing the good and important work that happens every day in our section. So yes, um, we are constantly looking for uh, top talent in the industry for membership and for volunteers. We are 51,000 members strong and our, our membership is has been very stable. Um, but um, you know we're looking for more members to be a part of this work and uh, to help us to do uh, what needs to be done uh, and that the general public has come to uh, has come to expect. So um, Yes, uh, we, uh, we're always uh, on the lookout for, for new members and volunteers, that's for sure. When you said that um, these volunteers and they work on the standards, how does a new standard get written or how is it brought up and where does the ideas come from and how does it get implemented? Uh, yes, we have a, um, a standards um, department, if you will. Uh, in Denver. It's run by a man named Paul Olson, who does a tremendous job coordinating our standards work. Um, we have a council, the Technical and Educational Council, that uh, has thousands of volunteers associated with that. So if somebody has a, an idea for a new standard, they would present it to Paul, and then he would work with that idea to establish the applicability of the standard and then go through the process of, in fact, um, uh, doing the work necessary to put it in place. With something like COVID-19, Jim, and your standards, will you guys go back and now look at those standards? How often do they get revised? Because things things change, but you know, I think people think, oh, a standard gets put in place and it's that same standard that's been used for, for years. Uh, that's a great question. Our standards are continually um, updated as uh, things change uh, in the industry. So the standards committees, 
will meet uh, on a regular basis uh, and they will discuss uh, innovation and change uh, as new information uh, comes available, as new research is conducted uh, to help support an upgrade to a standard. And so um, once a recommendation is made for a uh, modified upgraded standard, it goes through the committee process and then ultimately uh, it goes before the association executive committee and the executive committee includes um, myself as president, uh, the past president, the president elect. It includes our six vice presidents and also the six council chairs uh, along with staff. And then um, we would evaluate um, approval of uh, the upgraded standards. If people want to know the latest information on anything that's AWWA or COVID-19 or any other subject, where, where can they go to get more information on your organization or be a member or volunteer? AWWA has a great website, uh, awwa.org. If they're interested in information specific to the pandemic, uh, awwa.org slash coronavirus is a good place to go. I highly recommend um, anybody interested in what's happening in the water space to jump on awwa.org. And in addition to that, each of the sections, we have 43 sections throughout North America. Uh, each section also has um, good, robust uh, websites. And um, that's a, a great place to uh, go for more information as well. Excellent. Uh, anything else AWWA related that you'd like to discuss before we let you go today? Well, I'd like to thank uh, McGuire Iron for uh, what you're doing here with this podcast to uh, get the word on the street. Um, you've, you've done a series of them, and they're all great as far as helping us to stay informed with the current events in the industry. And just wanted to tip my hat to you for that and say thank you. Jim, thank you for joining us today on the McGuire Iron Podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Remember, you can always connect with us by going to our website, mcguireiron.com. You can ask questions by sending us an email at info at mcguireiron.com, or you can follow or reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Thank you for joining us on the McGuire Iron Podcast.